<laughs> Whenever you have people and or machines, you're going to have problems. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me excited to have Jordan Barry. Jordan, how are you doing today? I am doing good and slightly warmer than you are. Yeah, slightly <laughs> warmer. Right? Coming from sunny uh, California, uh, owner of Laundromat Resource. Jordan, give our give our listeners uh, you know, just some backstory. What what do you, you know, kind of kind of your story, your bio? Uh let, let us yeah. uh, fill us in here. Uh, yeah, so I uh, I was in uh, pastoral ministry actually for uh, oh, about wow. 15 years, and uh, my wife is a special uh, education teacher, a resource teacher, and uh, a kind of a, a point in life uh, came where it was just like, okay, I think it's time to transition and do something different, and so uh, as uh, as I was transitioning and trying to figure out what to do with life. Um, I had quit, uh, quit my, my job as a pastor and we had a little bit of money in the bank and we, we owned a house here in Southern California. We were trying to figure out what to do. And I had a, what I thought was a genius idea, which was, you know, we had two small kids at the time and I was like, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we rent out our house here in California? Let's take our chunk of money from the bank and let's go buy like a condo on the beach in Hawaii. We'll go do whatever jobs in Hawaii for a few years while our kids are, you know, still young, not school aged. And when they're school aged, we can move back to California, you know, where we have family and good schools yep. and, and then net gain condo in Hawaii. I'm like, yes, that's a great idea. And my wife said, we could do that or we could buy a laundromat. And so we ended up buying a laundromat. And I mean, those are almost the same. It's right? like Hawaii yeah, condo on the beach or <laughs> laundromat. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost identical. Almost uh, yeah, identical. my life is pretty much the same as it would have been. Yeah, either yeah, path. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so we ended up buying uh, the laundromat, and that did not go well. We can talk about that. Um, so in order to compensate for that not going well, we bought another laundromat and made some other mistakes. Hmm. And uh, yeah, that led to, um, and you know, I can fill you in on details of that too, but that led to me kind of desperately seeking some help and guidance on how to, you know, how to turn this around. Like there's all these stats out there about laundromats, right? Like yeah. laundromats have like a 95% success rate. And I'm like, how how in the world am I in the 5% that can't oh, figure this thing do? out? Like what yeah. is happening? Like, this is not, this does not fit my vision of myself and like who I am. Uh, and so I, I was just desperately seeking how to figure things out and I really couldn't find help uh, mm. anywhere. And so I ended up just suffering as I was trying to dig my way out of the situations I had gotten myself in. And uh you know, come to find out later, there were other people also struggling. And I was like, man, I, uh, I ended up losing like a lot of money every month. <laughs> like I, the, the broker basically told me, Hey, you're going to be, you know, we're going to put new equipment in here. You're going to be making, you know, four to $6,000 a month of net. And I was like, sweet, let's do it. And 
I was losing $1,500 to $2,000 wow. a month. And uh, it was just wow. like a, a punch in the gut and uh, was just kind of, you know, desperately seeking like, what, what do I do here? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I started running into other people who had similar situations where they were basically sold a, a lie and there re- really wasn't very many places to turn. And so I was like, you know what? I've learned some very expensive lessons here. The least I can do is make sure nobody else has to learn those same lessons the way that I did. And so I started a little blog and then uh, just sharing my experience and sharing what I'd learned about how to buy laundromats and how to run laundromats. And, um, and then that blog turned into a YouTube video and then the YouTube video, well, it started gaining a little traction and a little bit of attention. And then I was like, you know what, if I really want to be good in this industry, I should just start talking to the people who are the best in this industry who are just mm-hmm. killing it. Right. So then I started a long form interview podcast where I talked to laundromat owners and other kind of people in the, in the industry and interviewed them. And that's gone really well and has really taken off also. Um, and so obviously I've learned a ton and a lot of people learned yeah. a ton just from people sharing with each other and, uh, yeah, so I laundromats and then I also run laundromat resource, which is a kind of an online education and community platform for laundromat owners and people who want to get in the business. So, so are you continuing to buy laundromats? Do you, is that a business that you're still continuing to be in? Uh, yeah. So, um, so I have recently partnered with a couple guys in the industry and we've started a, just a small, uh, investment fund for, buying laundromats. Mm. And uh, so that's the way that I will probably continue to buy them going forward instead of operating them on my own. I'll probably buy them, you know, contribute to the fund yep. um, and and own them that way uh, because that frees up even more of my time <clears throat> to be able to do the, you know, the platform stuff, the interviewing, you know, yep. awesome people in the industry and, you know, all yep. that stuff. So, which I love doing. It, it seems like such an easy business coins, and machines. Like mm-hmm. as long as you have machines that are operating, mm-hmm. you just, people put the coins in. Well, not anymore. They got the cards or whatever, but, yeah. but coins and machines, like it seems so easy. Like how could it go wrong? So how can it go wrong? Like how yeah. it's such a, like, there's nothing there. Obviously there is, but it yeah. just doesn't <laughs> seem like it. And I can see how you like, a broker tells you this is what's going to happen. You're like, oh, okay, that makes sense because, yeah. like I said, it's like it's such an easy. Bit. We got laundry machines, washers, dryers. Boom, people put yeah. money in, and we make money. That's it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the two key factors that can go wrong. You've got a lot of machines, and you've got a lot of people. <laughs> Whenever you have people and or machines, you're going to have problems, I suppose. Um, and so, you know, for for me and my. <clears throat> In my situation, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, in my specific situation, and I, I, I don't like telling this because I, my situation was not common. It's not a mm. typical situation, and so <clears throat> it's not that I don't like sharing it. It's I don't want to give the wrong impression to people or like scare people. Sure. But in my specific situation, I was buying a laundromat in a rough neighborhood in Los Angeles, yeah, and. <clears throat> Um, the, you know, one of the big issues was that the previous owner had 
not had kind of abandoned the place a little bit. And mm. so uh, it literally had become uh, gang turf. And so people didn't want to go to that laundromat because it was gang turf. And so I ended up, I ended up actually in physical altercations, basically trying to reclaim the laundromat. Wow. Uh, and it was not, it was just not a good situation. And uh, so one of the things, I mean, you, you got to buy yeah. like any real estate, you've got to buy it in the right neighborhood. Is that, is that key? Well, I mean, you got to buy in the right neighborhood for you. For you. I think if I had known what I was getting into, I would have been a little more prepared for <clears throat> that situation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would handle it very differently now. Um, and so, I mean, like, like real estate, somebody owns the real estate in the rough neighborhoods, right? Like if you're the right person for that rough neighborhood, then you can do it and you can make a lot of money too, you know, cause a lot of times those neighborhoods are densely populated. Those are people who need laundromats or housing, yeah. you know, whatever the case may be. And um, so you, if, if you're the right person for that, then you can do it and you're prepared for it. Yeah, prepared. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So one of the things I learned is that, so I came in and I put in a bunch of new equipment, remodeled the whole place and uh, you know, it, it was all looking you and nice. But one of the things that I found was it was much, much easier to rehab the laundromat than it was to rehab the reputation of the laundromat. Mm. And I didn't go in. I went in anticipating rehabbing the laundromat. I did not go in even with that on my mind that I was going to have to rehab the reputation of the laundromat and, yeah. you know, and be aggressive on that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, people, even though I put in new equipment and was working really hard to keep the riffraff out, uh, you know, people were still scared to go in there and uh, it was, it was just tough, you know? Um, and so that's why it wasn't really making money. And, uh, you know, there you go. You know, it's like, and, and, you know, for other people, the, the, the more typical, more common problems are not, not managing your business. Well, not maintaining the equipment, keeping it running, right. As soon as your equipment's down, it's not making money anymore. Um, yep. but there's a lot of, you know, what we call in the industry zombie mats and it's people who don't reinvest in their business they're not you know when a machine goes down they're letting it stay down for they a were while maybe expecting it to be a passive completely passive play so yeah. they're they're just not there not not doing the work exactly exactly yeah. interesting yeah. so so people and machines are that's easy but it's difficult right you've got a yeah. uh, that makes sense i mean you I would have say it's to, simple it's not always easy it's simple yeah yeah, yeah. it's simple it's just like two steps. You got to yeah, have people right. come in the door, right? And you got to have machines that work yep. when the people come in the door. Yep. But if if you don't have the right people coming in or people, in your case, it sounds like you just had a, per, a people problem. People didn't feel comfortable going to that laundromat because they felt like they're going to get mugged or whatever, just in trouble, right? And so they yeah. just wanted to avoid it. How do you... Uh, how did you change then that perception? Are there, are there certain things that maybe you did or, and maybe that's the wrong way to ask because I'm sure you made plenty of mistakes in that. So are there certain things now looking back that you now do moving forward to change your yeah. reputation? 
Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, a, a big part of it would be just being aggressive about getting the right people in and keeping the wrong people out. Um, you know, when I, when I went in, so I was coming from a ministry uh, background and, yeah. you know, a lot of the, the quote unquote riffraff, you know, they're, they're homeless or, you know, they're just, you know, a lot of them are just hurting, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and so I'm a, I'm just a very empathetic person in general. And I actually consider that sort of a superpower in a lot of situations, but in this situation, it kind of bit me because, you know, I would say, Hey, look, you know, you're, this is, this is a business. Like you, you can't be here. Like, I don't, we don't have any problems or anything like that, but you just, you can't hang out here. Right. And so I was trying to be respectful, but set a boundary. And that wasn't language that, that those people could hear and understand and respect. Right. And so I learned kind of going over, I need to communicate with people in a way that they can hear me. Right. And so that is being firm and setting a firm boundary and then acting on that mm. after I've, I've given, I still want to respect people and, you know, and say, you know, you need to leave you, you know, and, and give them that opportunity, but then I need to act. Right. Yeah. And by act, I mean, you know, call the police every single time, don't let anything slide by. Yeah. Cause eventually the message gets around, like it's not easy to hang out there anymore. Right. So the, the goal is to make it as comfortable as possible to hang out there for the customers who are doing laundry and as uncomfortable as possible for the people who shouldn't be there. Yep. Right. And so I, you need to act aggressively. And then, you know, once you've kind of got that under control, then I would probably just throw a big party basically and say, Hey, we're doing free washes for a week. Everybody come in here, come check it out. It's cleaned up now there, you know, and you got to get people in the door and show them, Hey, it's under new management. It's, yeah. it's, it's a new place. Now you, you can come back. It's not scary to be here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, similar. You know, I've, I've purchased apartments in some pretty rough neighborhoods over the years. Um, uh, and especially when I was first kind of beginning, and that was, it was the same type of thing, you know, the riffraff when they're around, if you try to be too nice to them, if you try to be nice to them, um, they're just going to take advantage of you. And and not yeah. that you have to be a complete jerk, but you have to be stern. Like you said, it um, has yeah. to be, yeah, it has to be, Hey, you're not, you can't, you don't live here. You can't be here. And if that doesn't work, which typically doesn't, then the police have to be called. And then yeah. it just has to be continual. And yeah. um, they, I think it's perfect what you just said. Like they have to, it has to be a pain in their butt. Like mm -hmm. If it's a pain because the police are constantly being called and harassing them and potentially arresting them, whatever, mm -hmm. then they're not going to want to hang out there anymore. They're going to go somewhere else where nobody's calling the police on them. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, what do you see as a successful laundromat? Um, you know, we've obviously we've already talked about some stuff, but anything else that you see successful laundromat, those, those who are very successful, like mm -hmm. maybe some key ingredients, uh, that we haven't really hit on. Yeah. Well, it's, it was interesting because it was when I started the podcast, I started talking to these guys who are, you know, killing, I've got, you know, I've got buddies now who own like 40 plus laundromats, people mm -hmm. who own, you know, I've got a, one of, one of the partners in the fund, he owns 13 laundromats and then he has a separate laundry processing facility for pickup and delivery laundry. And, you know, hmm. you know, one of the things that I've found that's pretty consistent by the top performers, which is counter to how 
the majority of the industry operates is that those operators tend to charge the most money, but provide the best experience, amenities. They make their laundromats nice. They're not the typical, what you think of when you think of a laundromat, you know, most of the time, which is like run down, half the lights are out, half the machines don't work, you know, homeless people hanging out up front. It, you know, our industry does not have a great reputation. Right. Um, and I think that is starting to change because there's more and more savvy investors coming in, savvy business owners coming in that realize, hey, I need to provide a good experience for, you know, for my customers. So I'm going to make it nice. I'm going to have, you know, granite folding tables, not the plasticky ones. Mm. I'm going to, you know, have nice flooring and I'm going to, I'm going to pay my employees well to keep it clean and to help yeah. customers. And I'm going to add different payment options and I'm going to have new machines. And it used to be like a badge of honor, like, Hey, I've had my machines for 30 or 40 years and <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't fly. Right. Like the, I found, and it surprised me when I first figured this out and I put this together, but the best operators replace their machines every 15 years. Hmm. And, uh, and you know, so, so they, they're doing all these things to create a great customer experience and they're charging for it. And that's what I see the best operators doing. And it's the operators who aren't reinvesting in their business. It's the operators who are racing to the bottom when it comes to pricing. It's the, mm. you know, the, the owners who, you know, as we're seeing inflation go up, whereas we're seeing utility costs go through the roof, rent go through the roof, as we're seeing interest rates rise and machine costs going up dramatically, we're still seeing a ton of operators who don't raise their prices accordingly. Right. And so when you don't raise your prices like that, you can't put money back into your business. Yeah. I mean, you can't put yeah. money back in your business. It deteriorates and then it spirals and it gets faster and faster and faster until you don't have a business anymore. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, those operators who are really on top of that stuff, creating a good experience, but charging accordingly are the ones that are succeeding. Yeah. I think that goes with like any business, right? It just, it, you have to create an experience and value to your customers. And if you don't, and that, that, your customers are whoever, you know, it's a, it's a tenant. It's a, you know, the, the laundromats, whoever's, you know, doing their laundry. It's all these customers want is the good experience. They want to feel safe when they're there. They want a clean place. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like people today have higher standards than maybe they've ever had before. And so if you're not providing that, you're losing them. They're going somewhere else. Every, everybody's got a car or they can, jump on the bus or, you know, whatever. So most people are going to get to a laundromat that they feel comfortable and safe at and provide that experience. And, and that that's just how it is. And, and you're going to lose business if you can't provide that for them. So that makes so much sense. I think that's every business is like, man, you think about, I go to grocery stores. Well, my wife usually does, but I'm I go sometimes too, because I'm a terrible shopper for some reason. I can't get groceries <laughs> in under like two hours. But anyway, regardless, um, you know, I'm going to go to the nicer one. I don't, I, you know, and it's not, it's not that I'm like stuck up and like, I don't feel like I am. But at the same time, if there's a really nice grocery store and there's the other one, I'm going to probably go to the really nice grocery store. Um just because like, it just feels good to be there. And yeah. that's the same with any business. Um, 
I got a bunch of questions I want to ask you on these laundromats because I'm, I'm intrigued by them. I haven't had anybody on the show that's talked laundromats. It's funny. Yesterday, I interviewed somebody and we talked about RV parks and I've never, I've done, I've done 600 or nearly 600 episodes. I've never uh, talked to somebody who's done RV parks and now I've never talked to somebody who's done laundromats. And uh, so look at you branching like, out now. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's good. I love it. Uh, but the cash flow on these, I'm assuming that's kind of your main thing is, is cash flow. Maybe it is not. Maybe there's a big value add component where you can really increase value and sell it. Um, but talk to me about kind of what a good operator, what a well-run laundromat can kind of be uh, expecting as far as you know cash flow returns type of thing. Yeah. Well, I like to talk about what an average laundromat. Sure. Average. Yeah. Let's do average. Let's not do bad. We can do both. Perfect. We we can do both. We can do both. So, I mean, bad is me when I started. You're losing (laughs) money every month. (laughs) Negative 15. Yeah. Yeah. We can do that real quick. Uh, You know, um, but you know, your average, this, this is what I love about laundromats. Right. And, and so I, I have real estate. I love real estate. In fact, I probably like investing in real estate more than laundromats. However, uh, what I, you know, so, okay. So let me take you back. Okay. So I bought this laundromat. I did a lot of the rehab on this, my first one myself. And so I would come and I would clean up at the end of the day and I would lock up and then I would stay like most of the night working on the laundromat. I'm stripping down wallpaper. It had some like paint, wood paneling mm. and wallpaper mm. under it. It was like horrible. Right. So I'm like doing, just doing all the work or whatever. Um, and as I was doing that, I started stumbling across real estate investing podcasts. I had never even heard of real estate investing. I knew nothing about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And that's when I picked up Rich Dad Poor Dad because I heard all these people started, you know, talking about that. Yep. And uh, and so I got, you know, I started listening to, you know, the real estate investing stuff. And I got really into like, hey, uh, you know, the buy real estate for cash flow. And when you get enough cash flow to replace your income, you're financially free. And I'm like, whoa, that's so awesome. I love that. And then it took me a while, but I, you know, as I'm listening to these podcasts, they're like, yeah, yeah, we get like 150 or $200 a door. And I'm like, how do I buy enough doors to get financially free? Like that's a lot of houses, right? And I'm, yeah. this is my early on, like, I didn't know anything about real estate, but I'm like, that's a lot of houses. And I don't even spend that much money, you know, well, at least for, for my area, right? Like there's still a lot of houses. And so I, I got discouraged and I was like, man, but then I realized like, here's, here's the beauty of laundromats is that, you know, your average laundromat deal unleveraged without using, you know, any loans or anything unleveraged, your average laundromat deal is going to return 20 to 25%. As long as you buy it correctly, right? Uh, yeah. 20 to 25%, that's an average deal. So we work, the value works based on a multiplier. So it's four to five times, you know, the the net income is what you should, uh, you should pay the value of the laundromat. Sure. So, so that's a 20 to 25% return on your money. And then when you add leverage in appropriately, that percentage can go up dramatically. So it's not uncommon to get yeah. 35 to 50% return on your money or more. Um, And that's without improving the business any, right? And is that with you working in the business, like going to the laundromat on a daily, weekly basis, or is that with hiring people to run that business? Yes. Well, it depends on the model of the laundromat that you're buying, right? And what it, 
listen, some people, some people want to sit at their laundromats and and work their laundromats and not, not very many these days. Most people are looking for that quote unquote passive side, yep. but some people do, you know, you retire and they want something to do. But generally speaking, even if that's the case, I always, you know, recommend to my consulting clients, Hey, look, you know, consider that an expense. You're paying yourself an expense yeah. and value yeah, yeah. after that expense. Right. Um, so, uh, so that's not with you going in there and yeah, so that, really... that 20, 25% that's saying, Hey, yeah, if you go in there, sure. We're, we're counting that as a salary. That's on top of that. If you're right. not going in there, you hire somebody, you know, it's, it's 20, 25%. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. That's okay. That's yeah. Good. Um, and then finance. So financing, uh, is there, are there, is it like a local bank that typically is going to finance it? Is there seller financing options? Is that pretty common? What, what's the financing looking like? Yeah. So one of the things that I kind of crack up about is I hear like the, you know, like the Mecca of real estate investing, everybody's looking for seller financing, right? Yeah. And those deals are out there and you can find them, but they're like a little, like a, you know, diamond, you got to kind of get a little, a little unicorn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, one of the, I, it's a good thing and a bad thing uh, about laundromats is that seller financing is actually pretty common. Yeah. Um, but the reason that it's pretty common is because a lot of laundromat owners are either, not good at all at, at keeping the books uh, or they're really, really good at keeping the books. Like maybe they have more than one of them. Um, and so that makes it really difficult for a bank to sign off on financing. Yeah. Right. Uh, Cause banks are very risk averse. And if they yeah. don't know how much money's coming in and going out, they're less yeah. like not to say that they won't, cause you can get bank loans for them. Um, Probably but a well-operated one though is is gonna that's that's where much more likely to get it much there. More likely. But you get um, you got a value-add project, it might not be so such a sure thing. Right. Yeah. But there are also laundromat specific lenders who hmm. uh who are you know much more likely to finance a laundromat because they just see the deals all day, every day, yeah. right? And they know yeah. and they're connected in the business and and they they know which deals are gonna work and what's not. Uh, but you're looking usually at between 30 and 40% down um, for, you know, if you're going to get like a traditional financing through a bank or through a uh, laundromat specific lender. So you're not leveraging quite as much as real estate. Um, and because you're working on that multiplier four to five times the net income, you you can add value and increase the equity in the business, but it just doesn't increase nearly as fast as most real estate does. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, last kind of, I guess this is maybe a two-part question, but last maybe question about laundromats here is, you know, higher end service. You already kind of mentioned we want better service. Uh, what about neighborhood? Is it, are you seeing more profitability in like a, a or I guess what, 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 is there anything that ties neighborhood to profitability? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, a lot of times we're doing like a demographics uh, analysis before you're buying a laundromat or building a laundromat. Uh, but there's different, there's different business models with the laundromat. Uh, and it's, it's kind of interesting because this, this industry is evolving quicker now than it, it's been this like, like dinosaur forever. Like it, nothing changed for decades. And then the last couple of years, like two, maybe three years, things are starting to change. We're starting to adopt new technology. Card payment systems are starting to come in. App payment systems are starting to come in. Still most laundromats are coin. 
but there's mm-hmm. more and more card app sort of digital payment options coming in. Um, and so, you know, things are, things are changing fast. So there's some different business models that are popping up right now. So I have, you know, some buddies, their whole business model is self-serve laundry only people coming in doing their own laundry and they have like 40 plus laundromats. Yeah. Right. But, uh, there's, you know, other business models too, where you're more on the service side of things you do, you have the self-serve thing come in, but also people can come drop their laundry off. Right. Or you have a driver in a van and you go do pickup and delivery and you literally pick it up from people's door and they, you know, you bring it back to the laundromat or your processing facility and you do the laundry, you fold it, and then you take it back to them. And that I think is where uh, a lot of growth is going to happen. I think we've only scratched the surface. I think a lot of people don't even know that's an option. You can just leave your dirty laundry on the front doorstep and it comes back magically cleaned and folded, ready to put away. Um, And I think that there's a ton of growth opportunity there for laundromat owners. If you want to go that route. Um, That would probably work in even like a little more higher end neighborhood oh, for right? sure. Pe- people have their own laundry machines in their houses yeah. uh, or apartments, but they're like, I don't want to do my laundry. Somebody's yeah. willing to pick it up, like pick it up. Yeah. And I liken it to, uh, this is right. Maybe I'm, maybe I, this is like, uh, you know, bias. Cause I just, this is what I do. But I think, you know, I remember like when I was a kid, I used to, I used to mow the lawn, right. My parents would yeah. give me five bucks or whatever. And I'd mow the lawn. Yeah. Everybody used to mow their own lawn. Now, I don't know about there, but here nobody mows their own lawn anymore. Everybody's got a gardener because it's just so cheap to let a gardener do it. And you just don't have to get your time back. Right. Well, like what's a more hated chore than laundry? Like nobody likes doing laundry. I think eventually it's going to go the way of most people are just going to have it done. You know, when the unit economics work out for most people, they're just going to have it done because nobody likes doing laundry. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely can see the power in doing that. And man, I mean, you got to, I mean, it takes a little bit more manpower, right? It ta- mm-hmm. it takes more people for sure. The self-serve, I mean, you got a maintenance okay. person, you got to, you know, it just probably doesn't take many people. This, you got the drivers, you've got people that are doing the laundry, that are folding the laundry, um, that are, you know, obviously there's, there's a little bit more risk because you got to make sure that, you know, they're going to be responsible with the laundry, um, mm-hmm. you know, not intermix people's laundry, lose stuff, whatever, all that kind of stuff. So there's definitely that bigger risk, but I can see the value in doing that. And it's almost like, you know, bringing your, you know, bringing your clothes right now to the, um, um, okay. I was just lost a word, but like the cleaners, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the dry cleaners, yeah, dry cleaners. Yeah. uh, you know, bringing your stuff to the dry cleaners, right? And yeah. Instead you got the laundry mat. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. But to go back to your original question, what kind of neighborhoods? So on the self-serve side, you're looking at neighborhoods that are generally speaking below median income for the area. Gotcha. And that's who's in renters. That's who's using the, uh, the self-serve side. But then if you're on the drop-off in the pickup and delivery side of things, not not entirely, but generally speaking, above that median income is who's using uh, that service right now. So a lot of like dual income families or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, or young professionals, that kind of thing. People who have more money than time and want to buy some time back 
uh, that's who's using. And, and also uh, like small businesses like spas. Uh, oh, sure. That, barber that shops, or salons, you know, restaurants, small yeah. motels, hotels. Um, you know, that could probably be too. a full niche in itself, right? It's oh, just to sure. service them. Yeah. Wow. For well, sure. Opportunities, man. I, I didn't even, wouldn't even have thought of either of those opportunities, but there's definitely opportunities. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, what do you see uh, be, beyond like, let's talk like more high level, more, you know, not the nuts and bolts and operating, but, but or maybe you didn't want to some nuts and bolts that we haven't talked about. What do you see the successful, the very successful operators? What's the difference between them and the others? Yeah, I think the big the big difference is the perspective of how they see their business or investment, right? I think I think the people who are not succeeding are seeing their um are seeing their business as an investment. They've been sold the idea of the passive income side of it and mm. I, I will say it's it's not a passive business. It is a, a simpler business than most other businesses, right? And it doesn't require a ton of time and attention, but it does require some time attention. Remember, we got a lot of machines and a lot of people that are coming through that laundromat, right? So you've got to pay attention to your business. You've got to keep the machines running. You've got to probably even do a little bit of marketing now. You didn't used to have to do that, but I think you probably do now. Um, but the people who are the most successful are the ones who are seeing it like, okay, this is a business and I'm going to run it like a business. I'm going to take yeah. care of it like a business. Um, and so, you know, they're making sure that things are getting repaired when they need to be repaired. They're making sure that, you know, their employees are trained and they're hiring quality people. They're making sure that they're setting their expectations of what they want their employees to do. Even if it's just coming in for two hours a day to clean and the rest of the time, the place is unattended. They're making sure they know, what that cleaning should look like, what the standard is, and they're and they're managing that standard, making sure it's being upheld. And yeah. you know, so they're treating it like a business. Um, and I think that's the biggest difference. Um, and and reinvesting in their business too. I I mean, yeah. that's the buying big the driver new machines too. every 15 years, putting yeah. the granite tops on and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I've been kind of pounding that into the, my podcast lately. It's like, look, there's so many people that just they get sold this like, oh, real estate, passive, laundromat, passive, you know, mm -hmm. buying a franchise, passive. That BS, like that this is not the case. If you're going to own it, it's not passive. And I don't care if you hire a property management company, if you hire people, if it's, you're still in charge of them and you still have to run the business. Now, some are less work than others, certainly, mm -hmm but you're still going to have to put the time and the effort into it. Otherwise you're going to see poor results. And I, I think that so, so many times now there's ways to be passive, but that's, that's investing with the company that's doing the work, right? That yeah. that's, that's the passive is being the investor, not being the owner. It's not passive. You have to yeah. be active. <laughs> yeah. Agree completely. But you know, I mean, so I, I think the perspective shift that needs to happen is, get rid of the passive thing and, and go with a flex time, right? Like yeah. it, and, and it disconnects, right? The the whole goal is to disconnect how much money you make and how well you do financially from how much time you put in. That's yeah. like the goal, right? Yeah. Not yeah, to I be passive necessarily. Let's disconnect those two. And mm. then let's say, okay, how can I be efficient with my time? Cause you can run 
you can run a laundromat, even one with a big operation on less than five hours a week. If you're focusing on the right things and, you know, sometimes you're going to have to put more time into it and sometimes less, but you can do it and it's not passive. You're still working on your business, but it's disconnected. Your business is making money while you're sleeping, you know, to go with Robert Kiyosaki's you know, yeah. whole thing, yeah. right? It's, it's making money while you're doing other things and it's disconnected and it's not passive, but it's flexible, it's flexible and it's disconnected from, you know, the amount of time that you put into it. Yeah. Love that. Love that. All right. We're going to switch gears before we do that. Anything else that you're itching to say that you want to say to the audience? Uh, and you can say no. Yeah, I mean, I can just, I can keep talking. Yeah. About you can keep going there. Yeah. You, you, uh, the podcast though, and you know, where, where they can reach that, um, and the laundromat resource, where, where do they go? Is it just laundromat resource? Dot com. And yeah. Yeah. And then the podcast is laundromat resource podcast. It's on all the podcast platforms. It's on YouTube. You can just awesome. search laundromat resource on YouTube. Yeah. Um, okay. So a couple of last questions. I, I always ask everybody, what's a favorite book that you can pass down to our listeners? Oh man. I read a lot of, a lot of books. Um, I won't say rich dad, poor dad, even though that was, you know, that was like a, I've already trans- said it. So I've said people, it. Yeah. They've got it. <laughs> it, was a, it was a transformative book, yeah. you know, just in terms of mindset, you know, and a lot of people, and I know it's a controversial book too, but for me, it's irrelevant if it was factual or not. It's, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, it's, it's if, irrelevant. It, if it changes the way you think and it gets you into the mindset that that's all that matters. Yeah. Um. So man, it's hard to pick. Just pick one. It's, yeah, it's hard to pick a book. I mean, <laughs> I, I got I, the same thing. I, like, yeah. I got like 15 favorite books. I don't know. Yeah. I think if, you know, I think if, uh, you know, if you're, if you're going the entrepreneur route, yeah. you know, one of the books I would really recommend is E-Myth Revisited. Mm. Um, and then if you're going more sort of the investing route, you know what? I, I might choose one of the habit books, like high performance habits, or maybe atomic yeah. habits. That's atomic probably what I would do. And yeah, atomic habits, because, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, developing the right habits to get you where you want to go. So, yep. you know, I would also throw out, start with why I'm cheating like crazy right now. I'm throwing out all these books, but like, <laughs> well, you know, knowing your right. why and then developing yeah. the habits to, you know, to, to make progress towards your goals, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and that's, I think is transformative. That was a mind blowing concept for me. Uh, when I read that book and I was like, yeah, you know what? I am the product of my habits. So I better be <laughs> intentional about what habits I'm allowing to rule my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, tr- so true. So, so true. Um, all right. Last question. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Yeah. So well, it's funny. I have uh, like way back when I first started my blog, I wrote a blog post called uh, the wealth tripod. Right. Nice. And the wealth tripod is it. This is nothing. Nobody's going to be like, whoa, you invented something crazy. Right. Like everybody <laughs> knows these. this is not like uh, mind blowing, but uh, I think it plays into our conversation here. So the wealth tripod is cash flow, equity, and tax advantages. Right. Nice. And when you focus on those three things, whether it's with your investment or your investments or your even your nine to five job, if you have one or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Those three things really are kind of the pillars of wealth creation, yeah. Um, in a, in a tangible sense, right? Yeah. And yeah. you know what I love about uh, 
laundromats. And what I love even more about when you buy real estate with the laundromats is that laundromats, it's it's difficult to beat laundromats when it comes to cash flow. Like it's just really difficult. Real estate, I love real estate investing, but it it the average real estate deal can't touch the average laundromat deal when it comes to cash flow. Yeah. The tax side of things, there's a lot of tax advantages from owning a laundromat from depreciating machines to running expenses through your business. Same as real estate. And you know, real estate, you can have the the, the cash flow side of it. I would say that's on the smaller side, relatively speaking generally on the cash flow, but obviously great tax advantages and you have the opportunity to build a lot of equity there. Yeah. And so, and you can build equity in laundromats that just build slower, right? So you've got yep. the equity and the taxes on the real estate, you've got the cash flow and the taxes on the laundromats. And it's, I mean, you can accelerate your wealth real quick going a route like that. And it doesn't have to be laundromats obviously, but you know, having yep. a business, especially one that has equipment that can be depreciated, huge Huge, yeah, huge, huge. I, I, and that's, that's so, yeah, like you said, it's not earth shattering, but it's so important for people to be able to understand that's what you need to focus on in business. If you can focus on your cash flow, your equity, and your tax liabilities, man, that, that is going to be a huge step forward in, in your business. And a lot of people don't focus on those. They may, maybe focus on one and not the other, but I think all three of them are so important. Love it. Jordan, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you. Uh, you know, again, like I said, like oh, close to 600 episodes. I've never talked to anybody about laundromats. So I've had a lot of fun talking about that. This is a, I want to go out and buy like a bunch of laundromats now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate you telling a couple of the horror stories. Of course, those are always hard uh, because they actually affected you financially, but yeah. sounds like you've dug out a little emotionally holes. too. <laughs> and <yeah>. emotionally. <laughs> but uh, but man, I've again, really appreciate it. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Learn more about what you, what you're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, laundromatresource.com there. My email address is just Jordan, J O R D A N like Michael Jordan, uh, at, I mean, as you can see, the Michael Jordan of nearly the identical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but Jordan at laundromatresource.com is my email address. And then, nice. you know, on, we're on YouTube, we're on all the podcast platforms, all that. So yeah, check it out. Cool. Again, really appreciate it. You have a fantastic rest of the day. I appreciate you, man. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. 
I'll catch you on the next episode.